Welcome to the Littler Artificial Intelligence Robotics and Data Podcast. Conversations about employers integrating robotics, AI systems, big data, and analytics into their workplaces in the United States and worldwide. Hi, and welcome to Littler's Robotics and AI Podcast Series. I'm Natalie Pierce, co-chair of Littler's Robotics, AI, and Automation Practice Group. And I'm very pleased to be joined today by Chase Perkins. He's an attorney and technologist and also with our practice group. Today, we will be discussing the role of emerging technology like robotics, AI, and imaging technology, and the role those technologies have played in the workplace since the outbreak of COVID-19. That's right. And out of necessity, there's been a change of calculus by employers in regards to how and why they would consider adopting emergent technology. So businesses are leveraging a range of computer vision tools, proximity sensors, and thermal imaging cameras to address COVID-19 workplace-related challenges. And Natalie, I think you have some ideas on what those challenges are. Right. For sure, the accelerated rate of adoption of these tools and the emergence of new technological solutions to help employers operate in the new normal will be a lasting trend. Crisis breeds innovation, and that innovation is currently on steroids. And as always, we can't expect regulations to keep up with technology. So there's the challenge, right? You know, let, let's face it, never in modern times have this many employers faced a myriad of legal challenges associated with safely returning employees to work. Specifically, workplace-acquired COVID-19 might lead to workers' compensation claims and claims related to lax compliance with safety requirements, uh, including provision of personal protective equipment. On the other hand, inappropriately implementing, monitoring, surveilling, and tracking technology in an effort to prevent injury by infection and additional workplace disruptions could subject employers to privacy and discrimination-related claims. So as employers continue to adjust workplace safety practices, minimizing surface contact rates, and maximizing space between employees will have many companies reconfiguring workspaces and looking to emergent solutions. We've seen businesses in some states open, like bars in California, Florida, and Texas, only to suddenly close again. Businesses in other states have remained open and only required modifying business practices, like implementing social distancing and limiting capacity. What we know for sure is this. This is a nasty virus. It's easily transmittable. And it is why reopening continues to be a real struggle and why we are seeing rates of positive cases continue to surge. That's right. And if employers choose to leverage new or emerging technology in order to implement safety measures, it's important for the employers to consider the risks involved and to have a plan in place. So while employee-focused proximity sensors, AI-powered monitoring tools, and contact tracing applications 
uh, may provide new capabilities to enhance workplace safety, it's imperative for employers to understand the risks incurred when adopting the new technology. And so to mitigate the associated legal risks, HR departments should work closely with experienced legal counsel to ensure appropriate technology assessment and evaluation procedures are followed prior to their adoption and then throughout the technology's life cycle. I just think that's the, the crux of it, is having a plan and revisiting the technology right throughout product or adoption life cycle to ensure maximum compliance to mitigate foreseeable risks that might come down or that the employer may face if the technology remains in place without kind of eyes on. That's right, Chase. Uh, some of the more basic questions to consider when evaluating technology in the workplace should include the following. First, to what extent has the technology been evaluated to comply with applicable discrimination, employee privacy, and data protection laws? Second, has the company structured and implemented a recurring technology monitoring plan to periodically check to ensure its use is in accordance with best practices? Third, if supervisors or other individuals with decision-making authority are involved, what steps are taken to ensure they do not gain access to sensitive or protected information regarding employees? And fourth, what roles do various employees, such as HR staff, supervisors, and legal, play in collecting or acting upon data-driven decisions? Let's you know, take machine vision and proximity sensors, for example. This technology is being used to facilitate workplace social distancing. For example, SmartVid.io, an AI-powered enterprise risk assessment solution, recently released new functionality for detecting close interactions and congregation of workers. Other technology vendors like Drishti Technologies, Inc., integrate worker proximity monitoring into safety and assembly monitoring solutions. That's right, Natalie. And something to keep in mind is that not all social distancing solutions and workplace safety technologies require broad collection of sensitive employee biometric or personal data. Companies like Proxy have developed wrist-worn sensor and bands that vibrate to notify users whether they're within six feet of others wearing the device. And so with the goal of offering workplace safety technology while balancing the sensitivities, privacy concerns, and compliance issues, the extent to which personal identifying information is shared should be carefully considered by the employer. And it's okay to iterate and develop custom solutions to the specific workplace environment and the jurisdiction in which they operate. Another example that is highly pertinent would be thermal imaging cameras, also known as thermographic cameras or infrared imaging cameras. Thermal imaging cameras can detect body and object heat signatures. And thermal imaging technology is the operative technology that's enabling handheld non-contact thermometers that everyone has been encountering in various contexts. And it's probably the most widely deployed technology at workplace points of entry. 
Yeah, and and when layered with machine vision software, thermal imaging can be used for automated detection and assessment of individuals within groups. Uh, as businesses begin to reopen, employers ranging from food production to fulfillment centers to grocers and casinos are increasingly modifying workplace safety procedures and leveraging thermal imaging technology in some form to actively mitigate the introduction and spread of the novel coronavirus in the workplace. However, this technology raises privacy concerns and its use may become more challenged as science has shown that elevated body temperatures may be a sign of underlying medical conditions not linked to COVID-19 and has also shown that many carriers are completely asymptomatic. So here, questions to consider when evaluating this combined detection solution should be what data sources have been or will be used, what forms of internal and vendor documentation exist relating to the applicable technology? Does the technology analyze, collect, or store employee biometric or personal identifiable information? Will the employee data be obtained voluntarily and with the employees or, in many instances, customers' informed consent? What else do we have to consider, Chase? when we look at these technologies, it's, again, important to consider which jurisdiction the technology will be used in. Illinois, for example, has the Biometric Information Protection Act, which has informed consent requirements as opposed to implied consent. California has specific employee privacy concerns. So in summary, thermal imaging cameras and full body thermal scanners for example, may initially appear to provide an efficient safety screening option for employers. However, thermal imaging, machine vision, monitoring tools, any collection of biometric data should be carefully examined prior to the adoption and throughout. And these issues, again, will continue to persist long after the technology's adoption and recurring evaluation procedures should be drafted and implemented to to mitigate potential liability exposure. And as things progress, it's important that the tools that have been adopted haven't been forgotten and that HR and in-house counsel works closely with subject matter experts to keep tabs on it. Yeah, that, that's great advice, Chase. I'm gonna have a switch gears a little bit now. So even Pre-pandemic, we read the research about robots replacing human workers. One of those reports from just last year, the Oxford Economics Report, estimated a full 20 million global manufacturing jobs could be lost to automation this decade. Now, with COVID-19, we saw that by the start of June 2020, just halfway into the first year of this new decade, over 42 million Americans had filed for unemployment. As I said, that's just the start of this decade and it was caused by a pandemic not on the radar at the time the report came out. And now with so much emphasis on physical distancing and minimizing touches, 
being key components to a safe return, orders on automated solutions, including robotics, are up. And last year's prediction by Oxford Economics, all the more likely to come true. That's right. And it's interesting, businesses that have already or had previously adopted these technologies really have a head start and they're reaping the the benefits. It just made it that much easier to expand and adapt as opposed to waiting, reacting, and kind of integrating whatever was available. And as we move forward, I think we'll see this continued shift from future competitiveness, thinking of it as a, you know, four quarters, eight quarters, long-term competitive advantage to really operational necessity. Yeah, Natalie, are there any other like considerations they should be considering or things that come well, to mind? Let's look at what we've already seen in the new normal and uh, in connection with the accelerated adoptions. If you just look at warehouses and hospitals and grocers alike, and the way that they've been leveraging robotics to increase workplace safety, uh, we are seeing these industries and others adopting autonomous mobile robots at an accelerated pace to help with moving materials between workspaces uh, and also for things like sanitation and cleaning and delivery of essential foods. I, I believe we're going to see more and more of, again, the minimizing touches and what are the tools out there to help do that. That's right. And it reinforces consistency in an area where the margin rates or the error rates you know, out of necessity need to be small, right? These are things that before could be neglected on the periphery. It wasn't that big of a deal, but now we need to ensure, and we're working from a base assumption of a consistency with these cleaning and safety protocols, right? Yeah, and we are seeing that the frequent disinfecting of communal spaces, such as break rooms, bathrooms, and other common areas, can be done by autonomous and mobile solutions. And, and those solutions are already in such high demand. And, and just look at the airlines. For example, we're seeing the planes become more and more full and thus the cleaning all the more critical. So use of protective personal equipment and heavy plane sanitation simply will be the norm. And, and when we look at you know, tools like Dimer's uh, Germ Falcon, UVC robots, uh, which are designed to disinfect mm -hmm. planes, and then Avalon's, right, biomedicals, vaporized hydrogen peroxide robot for deep cleaning of airports. And we're also, you know, by the way, seeing vaporized hydrogen peroxide disinfecting for, for some of the reusable PPE, like the N95. Mm -hmm. So these are examples of robots delivering greater safety through precision and efficiency. And hotels as well, right? As hotels and restaurants yeah. are opening post-pandemic, we can definitely expect to see continued adoption of, of robots for check-ins, room service deliveries, and, and even continuing to see them in checkout lines and for, for helping customers with questions. But robots, generally, what we've seen in, in this during this pandemic are that they are making 
safer the lives of essential workers and uh, the customers and patients they serve. And we, we saw this relatively early on in March in South Korea and Japan and a little bit in Germany and just this week in New York for the subways, it looks like they're going to implement some form of screening for passengers, whether that's temperature screening or some type of like thermal imaging. But we know that success rates from South Korea, from Japan, and from other places that incorporate the, the consistency of robotic cleaning, of minimizing touches, it's really a great foundation. And it's not just an abstraction, right? These are systems that are used to an even greater degree, certainly the trains and other transportation, again, in, in Japan and Korea are used by a huge percentage of the population. So it's definitely favorable. And I think it'll bolster confidence, right? In both public transportation, getting back to the normal, even if uh, we don't resume to the same degree for travel, knowing that those options are there will certainly, I think, be a prerequisite, right? Yeah. And you know, I'm a, a Cobot fan, Chase. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. What have, what have we been seeing in terms of uh, greater adoption and, and why of Cobots in the workplace? Oh, yeah. Cobots and manufacturing. I know I was touching a lot on transportation, but pharmaceutical, food processing, in construction, the working along, when you're saying mentioning Cobots, working alongside human employees to augment and improve productivity. I mean, they're really replicating sometimes dull, other times dangerous tasks, um, but they do it with a degree of perfection and with increased reliability. So this is an opportunity for businesses to utilize technology, both for you know, social distancing, consistency, and uh, safety protocols, but to prevent foreseeable lapses in future operations if the trends kind of continue in a negative direction or result in another anomalous spike. Yeah, I've always seen Cobots as, as an easy start for employers looking to automate certain tasks. But Chase, while we have been talking about frameworks by which companies can incorporate robotics and automation, I think we will see employers reimagining the workplace like never before. I think now is is the time, and again, we've, we have been talking about this for, for years now, but now is the time for companies to take a hard look at organizational goals, such as streamlining product delivery, reducing workforce hazards, expanding into new markets, or operating with a limited labor force, and identify and assess the new initiatives needed to automate and reskill the workforce for this future workforce outlining the skills that are required for the future and identifying the skills gap within an organization and an industry generally is critical. And we'll continue to help employers do this and also help them identify opportunities for the introduction of robotics, exoskeletons, telepresence and telemanipulation, augmented and virtual reality and a host of other automation solutions that can help with distancing and reduced touches. I think that was yeah. very well said. And just 
expounding on that is something to consider is when you work with Littler or you work with counsel, you can do so under the umbrella of the attorney-client privilege, right? You can explore options that may not have been there or that may have a degree of sensitivity, especially when it comes to augmenting the workforce. And it provides a safer environment at times to review basically options for the employer. And everyone likes options, especially at a time of magnified or exacerbated risks. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's probably a good spot to end today's podcast. If you are interested as a listener in learning more about our practice group, uh, you can go to www.littler.com and find us on our practice group page. It was great speaking with you today, Natalie. Thanks so much. Great having you. Thank you, Chase. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.